never heard of pasticides. They're those um they're those like bagged like beef stroganoffs or like they're like freeze dried and then you like put water in them and you stir them up and they technically become food. That's like it's a backpacker like, food. That's like what you Oh, oh, you mean like uh Oh, yeah, these things I I I have these things all the time. Those things roll. Like the Nor <laughs> brand or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Body just your body's just made up of like craft cheddar cheese, popcorn, and pasta sides. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. dude. He lives in Chicago. Like, what do you expect? And hot <laughs> right. dogs. Yeah, and hot dogs, <laughs> deep dish pizza. It's it's like 99%, you know, cheese and carbs of some kind. Um, it's it's a great city to live in. It's very, I feel like a sister city to 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 uh, Buffalo. That's, that's true. That's so true. So true. They're both wow. lake effect cities, so you have to be tough to live there. You guys are both incredibly tough. Are yeah. we? And we're both blue collar, even though we have very white collar jobs. Um, we're yes. both blue collar just by definition from living in those cities. Um, yeah, yeah, you're both you're both like New York Times story, like you know, white collar professionals that get get called blue collar by a New York Times <laughs> politics reporter. When yeah, like, Maggie yeah. Maggie Haberman has come to interview me like seven times. It's crazy. <laughs> I guess she doesn't believe really story. She's not. She found me in a Buffalo diner, and she <laughs> said, "This centrist voter is is just sitting here wondering how she's going to vote." That that was me. Maggie right. Haberman found me. Yeah, there's one thing that, that screams uh, undecided voter. It's like blue hair and tattoos, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, okay. Without further ado, I think we'll we'll, we'll decide how much of that we want to cut out. Um, depending on how much, you know, identifying info there is for all of us there. Uh, but uh, welcome to the Bucket Problem episode. Um, I don't know. I don't know what episode it is. I do not have that information on me. We're going to circle We're back on 60s. that one. Yeah, we're in the 60s. We're, we're in, we'll say 69. Um, nice. Uh, but yeah, no. So uh, I am your host, not a Sandbender. Um, Dan, a.k.a. Fixtauskas. Uh, I will be your host today um connor taylor say hi to everybody hello hi awesome yeah no this is perfect this is going out without this is going off without a hitch um, a lot of energy so, there a lot of real uh, little buoyant charismatic podcasting happening right now right absolutely this is this is like the, and what people love out of their podcast is like they want to they don't want to feel like they're hanging out with friends like they want to feel like they're being lectured um by a very uh like not confident uh teacher's assistant you know like the, the professor is the professor is off. He's on PTO, whatever. And the TA is just giving like the most absolute like stunted and uncomfortable lecture of all time. And that's what this podcast is going to be. Yeah. Um, we try to go for the uh, the vibe on this podcast of a corporate Zoom meeting that is both pointless, but also interminable. That's what we're, <laughs> we're going to do. Right. It just can somehow everyone, won't Can everyone end. see my screen? Can everyone see my screen? I hope you can all see my screen. <laughs> oh, Taylor. Taylor, you're muted. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. We're, we're spending we're spending 15 minutes uh just like getting like no one's helping Taylor, but we're just like teaching her how to use a pivot table in real time. Um like we all know how to do what we want, like the view that we want to see on the pivot table, but like we're making Taylor do it as you, you know, she's scared. Do you need screen. to freeze from the top? Do you need to freeze <laughs> freeze the rows? Freeze yeah. the rows? Freeze the top? rows. Can you freeze the rows? No, no, just the first two. Um <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is really good stuff. Anyway, uh we are presented by Homefield Apparel and Points Bet. We are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a meet at Midfield Production. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into our big moods. Um, I'll, uh, I'll call on Connor. What, what is your big mood? 
Yeah, so I have been burned in the past for talking way too much shit about Michigan State. I'm the only person in this podcast that's ever happened to. But I my goal for this game is to keep it keep it restrained, keep it professional, keep it normal uh until such time as we beat these guys, which could be, you know, Saturday potentially or at whatever date that happens. Um and I think that my observation about this game, Dan and I were just talking about it is that Jim Harbaugh is three and four against Michigan State, and I do think Jim Harbaugh and his teams bear a lot of responsibility for that fact. I also think it is remarkable that in none of those four losses was there ever, not for one of those games, that did we ever come away saying, oh, Michigan State is just clearly the better team this year. Like, there were years that they did finish better than Michigan. I think maybe only one, actually. Like, 20, 2017 might be the only one they decisively did. Uh, 2015. But, uh, 2015. Oh, 20, 20, oh, that's right. 2015, they were... Yeah, they were good. Fair enough. They were good. But they're also so lucky that year. That's kind of what I'm getting at is like, right. it's been it's been wild how much luck Michigan State has needed to have a winning record against Jim Harbaugh. I hope that that luck will, you know, very much not be present on Saturday. But the problem is this game is always right around Halloween and the spirit of Halloween is always in this game. And that's been made worse by the fact that it's going to be a night kick. So the goal here is to make this not a Halloween game. But to make it a uh, productive, productive uh, leftist millennial slash zoomer at Thanksgiving type game where the goal is to just be normal, everyone. Be as normal <laughs> as you possibly can. Just act normal. Don't say anything weird. Don't use any slang that your uncle doesn't understand that will just provoke him and make things worse. <laughs> um, I like like now I'm going to say metaphor of Michigan State is like our right wing uncle that we're trying not to uh, not to anger too much. But um Anyway, yeah, my sincere hope for this weekend is that it's just a normal game because if it's a normal game, Michigan will blow these guys absolutely out of the water. Yeah, the key matchup in this game is Michigan versus simply being normal. Like, don't don't do the weird thing. Just be normal. Just do a normal football. Uh, yeah, no, I, I very much agree with that. Um, I, I think you know this this game. I mean, how long have they been playing on Halloween? It feels like they've been playing at or like on Halloween weekend, pretty much like. Every year since at least 2020, right? I, I don't know. Not 2019. I feel like 2019 was a little bit later. But uh, regardless, um, very much agree. It's it's a it's been a very fun weekend for me the past you know two years. Uh, as for those of you that don't know, my birthday is on Halloween, and Michigan has uh, just entirely ruined it twice in a row. Um, so very much hoping that doesn't happen. Uh, Taylor, what is your big mood? Uh, yes. Uh, so my big mood is that I'm really about to have a whole weekend. Um, so I am actually going to this game. I am flying to Detroit Friday night. Um, I'm hanging out in Ann Arbor slash will be at the game on Saturday. Then I'm flying home Sunday and potentially going directly to, um, a Buffalo Bills tailgate. Um, as you know, uh, if you've never heard, if this is the first time you're hearing it, uh, I am a Buffalo Bills fan. I don't mention it at all. I've never mentioned it before. Um, but anyway, and then I also start a new job Monday. Um, please don't ask where. Um, I'm not going to tell you. That's weird. Uh, but basically, we are really testing my mental and physical fortitude. Uh, I don't really do this sort of marathoning of things, particularly not sports. But um, I'm looking forward to being tested in this way. Um, I am never going to die. Uh, so that's really all I've got. I'm very excited. Um, I'm looking forward to um Ideally, a really, a really well-rounded weekend of um, degeneracy and also just seeing friends and seeing people and, again, hopefully two ass-kickings. So you're uh, just going to... 
go ahead. So you're just going to be normal is what I'm hearing. And yeah, you're also going to, <laughs> and you're going to soldier through because you're a blue collar swing voter, as we've discussed. That's right. Um, I'm the blue collar swing voter that Maggie Haberman has been looking for this whole time. Um, I'm actually recording this podcast from a diner, from the diner in which she found me. Um, so yeah, I, again, I don't think Maggie Haberman does those. <laughs> I was just like, that's like I'm like, like my brain was trying to finish the joke, and I'm like, ah, uh, like name a New York Times columnist. It's like Maggie Haberman, I guess. Barry Weiss. <laughs> Barry Weiss got fired with the program, man. Or did she get fired? Oh. She, she quit. Anyway, that's enough. Of oh, her. that's right. Yeah. Um, her sister yeah, Taylor, was in Michigan. <laughs> uh, that anyway, does not whatever. surprise me either. Um, <laughs> Taylor can't refer to the show notes during this episode because she's too busy soulfully staring out the window the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The New York Times photographer keeps taking a picture of me as I look longingly out the window as I wonder, um, can I have clean coal? Can I have clean fossil fuel energy? Um that's what I've been wondering. Um, yeah. How, how does capitalism stop the c- climate crisis? Anyway, I'm done talking. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Now, these are all very, very relatable jokes. Uh, very, very on brand for us. Um, yeah. So my big mood is I, I really just want this game to be over. Um, I, I am. The buildup has been intolerable online. Everyone's being annoying as hell. The trash talk has not been good this year. Um, it's just like no one's looking forward to this. Like Michigan's kind of just dread. Michigan fans are just dreading like you know, something, something uh, annoying and, uh, and unexpected to happen. Um, there, you know, there's really only downside. We're supposed to beat this team by a lot. And if we don't, that's kind of a big letdown. And if we do, it's just kind of expected. And Michigan State fans are kind of just seeing this as like a very likely ass kicking. So um, it's, it, it is what it is. And uh, I, I am. I will. Enjoy, I'm sure I will enjoy this game once it actually gets going, and you know, it, it, hopefully Michigan starts winning. But uh, I am just like, if I could fast forward through it, uh, I I would. I happily would. Um, so, anyway, that might be a little bit of a counterintuitive take uh, from from me. You know, given given where I you how excited I usually get for games, but uh, this one is is one that I would. I will be happy and, and a lot less anxious when it's over. Um. So with that said, I think we're going to do a pretty MSU-centric pod. You know, they're one of the big uh, – normally we, we talk about other things on this podcast, but I'm hosting, um, and it's Michigan State week, and I know way too much about Michigan State's roster and, you know, construction of that and all that. So uh, I'm going to just kind of go off the dome and give kind of rundown of MSU's offense uh, to start. And uh, Connor, Taylor, feel free to uh, hop in and um, – yeah, hop in and uh, comment whenever you see fit. Um, so I guess starting with, uh, I guess I'll start with quarterback here. Peyton Thorns really kind of uh, struggled without the being able to lean on Kenneth Walker this year. Um, I think he's been he's still a pretty good quarterback. Like I would, I would compare him in quality to, I, I guess like a, I think he's like a Tanner Morgan level quarterback. I don't think he's really anything special, but he throws a good deep ball and and he. He largely knows what he's doing out there. Um, he, he can he can get through his reads pretty effectively, uh, but he's just been a lot less efficient without um, you know without the the defense having to respect the run game the way they did with Kendall Walker last year. Um, and he's usually good for one pretty terrible uh, mistake and you know the bad interception per game. Um, Michigan State fans were really hoping that he would be the type of quarterback that could you know carry their offense with without Kenneth Walker and. You know, while I don't think he's bad, um, he, he certainly has not been at that level. So, you know, I think he's the type of quarterback that can definitely 
he, he'll, he'll make some really nice throws, especially like uh, deep balls. But he's the type that can definitely be confused and, and flustered with pressures and, and the exotic uh, coverages that Michigan likes to throw out there. So, um, you know, I think I think the big thing to watch out for here is that he is a pretty effective runner. And I could see him picking up a couple of annoying first downs um, against Michigan. So uh, I guess uh, Connor Taylor, any what have your, your impressions been of, uh, of Peyton Thorne so far this year? I mean, I think the most apt comparison here is we just we played the sort of longtime king of annoying quarterback first downs in the Big Ten, Sean Clifford, last <laughs> week or two weeks ago. And um, I think Peyton Thorne is very much that same tier of quarterback where, like, he can absolutely make plays that will hurt you. Um, I think he has a little bit more arm talent than Clifford, actually. And he will uncork. In this game, he's going to have some pretty balls that are probably going to feel very bad for Michigan fans because they're going to connect down the field in a tight pocket. And I just expect that to happen. I think that, you know, what Michigan has going for it is not really related to Thorns, who is a perfectly decent but not remarkable QB. Um, and I and I agree with Dan that, like, he can run. And I think Michigan will actually probably have a fairly similar game plan to what they did with Penn State in that regard, you know, just to sort of make sure that's not what ends up burning us. But, you know, the, the good news is not so much about Thorne. It's just he has no pass protection. And I fully expect Michigan to be up in his grill a lot. Um, and especially with the exotic blitzes, blitzes they've done, like the the safety blitzes and stuff. I think it's going to be a – I mean, there's no scenario where he doesn't have a long day. The scenario where Michigan State does really well in this game is one where he's just an absolute hero in the face of that. And I don't think he has quite the heart of a lion that Sean Clifford does. So – yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say when he is frazzled, he is is really he really has a hard time kind of getting it back together. Um, I watched Michigan State Maryland. I think that was the game I watched um, on on a live stream for the website, and that was brutal. That offense is not particularly exciting. Um, and then I also caught a bit of um, MSU Minnesota. Yeah, that's the one where they got they they got their ass kicked on that one. Um, and Thorne looked really frazzled in that. And and I understand that that was kind of like an exceptional game for Minnesota. But when he's when he's having a hard time, he's really having a hard time. Like you can you can kind of see the wheels turning in his head. Um, so I would anticipate him to not have a great game. But yeah, there are going to be some really nice connections um, specifically to read, um, that are going to frustrate some people, uh, myself included. I will be yelling about them, even though they are, you know, pretty normal things to happen in the course of a football game. Someone's going to catch a pass. Um, but I am going to be irrational about it, but, um, here in this podcast space, I, I will not be. Um, and I think that, that the, the bad plays and, and the kind of watching him think on the field is going to be happening a lot more than than some of the the more natural stuff and the good stuff that happens when he gets the pass protection and he gets the things that he needs to thrive yeah absolutely i mean we we saw him uh you know this i know we've got a little bit long talking about the quarterback but i think it warrants it it's the most important position but we, we saw him struggle against michigan last year you know he, he had a couple pretty deep balls but that's not a game that that they win based on the way he played like that's a game they won purely on the back of Kenneth Walker in that running game. So um, I, I, I agree with everything you guys said about him. Um, moving on to the offensive line, uh, plainly, this offensive line is very, very bad. Um, they are like th- – this offensive line was notably uh, one of the worst in terms of like advanced line yards or advanced line stats last year. Um, and despite that, Kenneth Walker just, you know, had, had a Doak Walker winning season. And 
I mean, like that, really like the, why I, I hold the opinion that Kenneth Walker, all jokes aside, should have won the Heisman last year is that he put together that season behind a truly terrible run block and offensive line. This year's offensive line is, is worse. Um, I believe they have like negative EPA per play uh, for when running the ball. I think like against Washington, they average like negative yards before contact, which is truly, truly horrendous. Um, they cannot run block. They, they were actually weirdly better against Wisconsin, who was a, um, a you know, a, a, is one of the better defenses in the league. But I don't like we have a large enough sample size to know that these guys cannot block. Like it's not like they were injured and they've got guys coming back. Um, they, they put it together a little bit against Wisconsin, but I was not terribly impressed with Wisconsin's defensive front. Like, I don't think this is a, a vintage Wisconsin team. Uh, it's, the obviously. Ghost, it's the ghost of Wisconsin. Let's yeah, absolutely. And, and I think Jim Leonard's doing well. We don't have to get off topic on Wisconsin here, but and Jim, Jim Leonard will do a good job, but like, it's still, you know, that was like week two of him as the interim. So, uh, but I say that all to say, like, this is just a, an offensive line that cannot run block. They're, they're simply not going to be able to move Mozzie Smith. Anything they get is going to have to be on the perimeter. It's going to have to be through misdirection. Um, and if Michigan can just like, you know, limit the one or two plays that, that guys show up in the wrong gap, uh, they're just, they're not going to be able to, to be effective in the running game at all. They haven't done it against literally anyone. Um, so, uh, you know, and then in, in the past game, like I think last year, this the Michigan state's offensive line was, pretty well organized and like a good pass protecting offensive line for the most part, Michigan did get home a lot against them. You know, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson really dominated like their tackles were not athletic this year. They lost some of their better players from last year off that, off of that offensive line that was already like pretty mediocre in pass protection. And they just blow that anytime you bring an exotic blitz, like they are just completely blowing um, protections right up the middle. Um, They're on top of that, like, their guys are just not athletic enough to hold up in pass protection. Um, they really like, I mean, they, they've, they're not like as bad in the run game. Uh, at, they're not as bad in the pass game as they, as they are on the run game, but they really get, they get beat one-on-one a lot and they blow protections a lot. It's, it's just like, it's just not a good scene. And with the type of exotic pressures that Michigan likes to bring, um, and you know, the, the amount of times I think Michigan's going to get them in like, you know, second and third and long, like, I think that they're just going to be able to, like, we've seen this Michigan, uh, pass rush against bad offensive lines. And, you know, we know that it can definitely, you know, it's definitely still at that level where, you know, it can dominate it and get a pretty high pressure rate. So yeah, I, I see this as being, um, I don't know. I just don't really see how this offensive front holds up to Michigan. I'm uh, not sure if you guys feel any differently. I mean, what I would say is Michigan hasn't played any like truly good offensive lines this year, and this is not one of the better ones we played. <laughs> um, I, I I think Maryland and Penn State at the very least are better based on having watched Michigan State a few times, and it, it's just been ugly every time I've watched them. They just fail the eye test, and you know the 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 biggest single reason for optimism is that like you know the least low variance, the least like determined by nerves or luck part of a football game is what happens in the trenches. And Michigan's going to dominate the line of scrimmage uh, on this side of the ball. There's no question about that. So I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I have, yeah, I don't have much to add to that except for, um, you know, kind of to Connor's point, the probably arguably one of the better offensive lines that we saw was probably Penn state. They weren't great last week. Uh, Maryland is also, 
thinking back on it, Maryland is probably the probably the best offensive line Michigan has seen so far, which is probably not, you know, a great, a great, uh, we're not beating those schedule accusations right now. Um, when we talk about the offensive line specifically, but Michigan State is really, really bad. That's all I've got. Yep. Yeah. It's not much else to say there really. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, ultimately, like, I guess we'll move on to, I, I think there are good parts of this offense. So I don't want to like, just be like, feel like we're being huge homers. Um, so uh, with that said, I'll move on to the receivers uh, slash tight ends. Um, I think this is really where, you know, the, the, the absolute strength is offense. Uh, Keon Coleman's been really, really good. He's a physical, like you can tell he's a basketball player out there. Um, he, he wins a lot of jump balls. He's not polished route running wise yet, um, but he, he really can go up and get it. He can, he can really box out uh, defensive backs in a way that's really tough to deal with unless you're like a tall physical corner. Um, and Jaden Reed is Jaden Reed. Like he's, he's athletic. He can, he's a jump ball guy. Like just don't, don't let his size fool you. Like he will go up and get it. He's very, very good on jump balls. Um, he also is, is, you know, quick. He can get open. Like he's a complete receiver. Um, I really think he's a good player. He was limited by injury earlier this year, which is why he doesn't have the stats, but the past couple games, like, you know, he's really been coming on. He also has just like a great, great relationship with, um, or chemistry with, with Peyton Thorne. They, you know, uh, you're going to hear this a thousand times, but they play together in high school. Um, and you oh, can wow, tell like, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they really are in sync. Um, the best offense that this, the, that this offense is going to produce consistently is just throwing deep balls to Keon Coleman and, and, uh, and Jaden Reed. And they've been very, very effective doing that this year, even with how much they've struggled. So, you know, that's, that's going to be the, uh, a high variance type of play. That's, you know, has the potential to be successful. Um, you know, I think luckily like Michigan's corners have been very good, but I, I kind of think this is the, the the biggest test for them. You know, I think, I think Maryland and Penn state both have really good receiving cores, but I, I sort of am, I'm, I think is as far as like pure talent goes, like Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman are probably their two toughest tests. Um, so, but you know, I think at, at, at the very best, like I think Michigan can, can at least hold their own here. And if, Throwing 50-50 balls up against uh, Jemon Green and uh, DJ Turner is like truly their best offense. Um, that's that's going to be a long night. Um, Malik Carr and uh, Malik Carr and I'm drawing a total blank. Daniel Barker are both two really athletic tight ends that cannot block. Um, they're terrible, terrible blockers, but they uh, are very athletic. Malik Carr had a really long catch and run against Wisconsin where he looked way too fast for a guy that's like 250 pounds. Um, so there'll be a challenge against Michigan's uh, linebacking core, uh, depending on Mich- how Michigan chooses to cover the tight ends in this game. You know, we've seen them struggle uh, against Iowa's tight ends um, and, you know, against uh, I think Mar- even Maryland's tight ends to a certain extent. So I think this will be a little bit of a stress test for, you know, the weak point in Michigan's past defense. Um, but again, like that's, like you're, you know, Peyton Thor is going to be under pressure. He's going to have to make the right reads. Um, and I think, you know, Michigan's had two weeks to to come in with a good plan for for neutralizing these receivers. But I do think there's a lot of talent here. I wouldn't like, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see them, you know, win some of their one-on-one matchups. Yeah, I mean, you you already said it. Um, the 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 game plan, like any feasible plan for Michigan State to win this game is going to rely on them to break off multiple explosive pass plays. They're going to need to gain big chunks of yards in the passing game. Um, 
you know, we already we skipped over the running backs, I think, which is valid because all that needs to be said about them is they are the most just guys group of guys we have seen all year. Um, so like I was, I was going to talk about them, but yeah, no, it's, it's really not. It's they're just I mean, they're not terrible. They're just guys. They're just guys. And like, I, I just don't think that's very relevant. Michigan State has not had success running the ball this year, and I don't anticipate that changing against Michigan. So, yeah, it really comes down to. You know, Michigan State's best chance to win this game is to try to Ricky White us, to try to the old Rocky Lombardi to Ricky White, uh, you know, play, which they ran just infinity times in 2020, and it kept working every single time. Um, they're going to try that. I think that, the you know, the bad news for Michigan State is, you know, we're, we are going to get pressure in this game. I'm quite confident in that. And, yeah, our secondary is actually quite good. Um I expect to lose some of those battles. It wouldn't shock me if there was one like just infuriating 80 yard touchdown in this game for Michigan state, but can Michigan lose that battle over and over again? Very unlikely. And I, I'm going to also call Dan out here. I think it's a little bit of your, your patented Michigan state homerism to say that <laughs> these guys are that much better than Penn state or, or Maryland's receivers. I think those receivers on Maryland Penn state are actually better. These are good receivers though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I think, I think the J- specifically, I think like, Jaden Reed as a star is better than anyone on either of those teams individually. I, I agree. Like, I think, I think Maryland and Penn state probably have like a higher level of talent overall. Um, And, you know, Michigan pretty well dominated both those teams. So I, I don't, I don't see this being like the type of problem that will lose you the game, but I think they'll, they'll win some matchups. Um, But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a talented receiving core. They just don't, um, I think quite frankly, like I don't really like the design of their passing game. I think it's very basic. I think they run just like pretty, pretty standard, like vertical routes. I don't think they work the middle, the, the intermediate area enough. Um, I don't know if Peyton Thorne just isn't good at reading that or if they don't feel like they can, they can protect long enough for him to do that. But I, I kind of think they're wasting these guys. Like I think they've got a lot of talent here that like it was why I was kind of high on this offense before the season started. Like I, I had them as like the number four offense in the, in the league. Um, and they fell, fell in way, way short of that. Um, and I think that a lot of that is just because like they have not been able to effectively utilize these guys, uh, you know, that they're, they're talented receivers. Um, so, you know, that's, that's that, um, like Connor said that the running backs are just guys. Uh, I, I think uh, Jalen Berger has been, been pretty good. Jared Broussard has been pretty good. Um, they just don't, I mean, this offensive line just doesn't block for them and, and they're not the level of running back that's going to make things happen on their own. Um, I think they're just totally average and, uh, Elijah Collins has been a little bit better. I, I'm really, I will say I'm, I'm happy for Elijah Collins, like very rare story story nowadays where he was a starter, almost went for a thousand yards in 2019, which feels like 300 years ago. Um, and then basically rode the pine for two straight seasons, like, 2020, which was an awful Michigan State team, and then 2021, obviously, where he was like the third back behind Kenneth Walker and uh, I think Elijah Simmons or whatever. Anyway, like he was, um, he really just like got zero carries the last two years, and then all of a sudden, like comes back this year and is uh, pretty good. So, like I don't know, like so many, like basically any kid nowadays, if they're riding the pine for two straight years, is going to transfer, and he stuck it out, and it's it's kind of paying off for him. So. Happy to see that, but uh, yeah, these guys are just guys. Um, yeah, yeah, I have oh, nothing ahead. to add. I was just gonna say, um, I kind of I'm going back one step to the wide receivers. I think that uh, I I want to I I think that the the issue with trying to evaluate what what Michigan State is attempting to do offensively, like they can't get the they can't really get the run going, and 
you are right, Dan. They are pretty boring uh, in terms of just like what they want to do. It's boring to a point of like kind of upsetting because they do have that talent. Um, I think that I do think that maybe Penn State's uh, receiving core is a little bit more talented um, just because of just because Sean Clifford can't really connect with Parker Washington and Tinsley, but that's a, a completely separate thing. The run game is frustrating to me because like, I, I don't, I'm going to sound like a homer and I'm really sorry. I'm actually not. Um, there are, there are pockets of the Michigan state fan base that believed that, that this running back group was going to be able to replicate what Kenneth Walker did. And I don't think that that was realistic at all. And it is frustrating <laughs> that that is something that they thought was going to happen. And I, I I saw it and it's weird. This is not like a Steph Curry can't shoot thing. This is like people actually thought that this was going to happen and it didn't. I mean, and... what happened last year though, like getting to 11 wins and overachieving the way that they did, like that's the Brady Hoke horseshoe at the ass season. So of course you come off of that thinking it's all going to be roses. I, I, right. I get where the psychology comes from. It turned out to be completely ridiculous, of course. Yeah. And it's just strange to me because thinking about the offensive line and the running back like thing in tandem, I don't, I'm not going to harp on PFF. I'm going to skip that today um, because we've already kind of talked about that, but it, it's, it's weird that like people think that the Michigan state offensive line is like do, doing things. <laughs> They're not because there's no like phase of that offense aside from like good connections Um and this was my point in bringing up the the receivers again. Aside from like the good connections that Peyton Thorne has with his receivers, like it's almost like he's doing that in spite of the rest of the offense, which is kind of a weird way to run a program and a weird way to run an offense. Yep. Yeah. No. Fully agree. Like it's just, I think it's unimaginative. I think I think Scotty Hazelson has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of flack this year as a defensive coordinator, and we'll talk about that. But I think that like I think Jay Johnson should be on the hot seat as well. Like I'm just. I've just not been impressed with him at all um, in terms of, you know, what he's done with the receiving talent that is on this roster. Um, so that said, moving on to the defense, uh, try to make this one go quicker. I think there's less to talk about because it's more comprehensively bad. <laughs> um, uh, start with like the real problem area, the secondary. Um, they did get Xavier Henderson back. He's pretty evidently not at full strength. He's a good run stopping safety. He's really good at coming up and, and making sticks and, and coming up and run support. Um, he is not a good pass defender and it's just like, he's, he's a good leader out there. He gets guys aligned, but he's just not really fast enough to cover anyone in the slot. Um, and he's not great at like, you know, tackling, uh, tackling faster receivers in the open field. Uh, Kendall Brooks is the other starter. He's a D2 transfer. He's another big hitter, but he is another guy that like just cannot run. He is, he is very visibly slow. Um, a mere speed and, uh, Charles Brantley are the corners. Um, they're neither one of them are good. Um, they are physical, but again, like they just can't cover anyone. And Amir Speed is my favorite ironic name in college football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amir Speed was a Georgia transfer that like everyone was like, wow, he started a couple games at Georgia and like he's gonna be he's gonna instantly improve this defense. It's like, but he wasn't good. Like it, it just he he got benched. Like he got benched at Georgia and Georgia's corners weren't even the 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 focal point of that defense anyway he's he's not been good this year he's been a big disappointment um he's physical but like they don't really let him get up and be physical with receivers because he's just gonna get run by like he's just he's just not fast um angelo gross who 
is was probably the worst player in the secondary. Finally got replaced by uh, Dylan Tatum, who recruiting heads may remember. Um, he's talented, but a freshman, and just like you know, he he played okay against Wisconsin, but you know, he's he, he if he hadn't passed Angelo Gross clearly in practice, then that's an issue because he's you know he's I mean I think he'll probably be good in the long term, but he's a freshman. Um, you know, this this secondary is like you know they. they the, the defensive performance overall was better against Wisconsin than it's been all year, but like anyone can have five yards against this secondary anytime because they're so terrified of receivers running by them that they, they play way off. They give up those hitches. They give up those, those like 10 yard out routes. They're terrible on third and long because like they just, they just let guys like sit in the pocket and, and, and hit, you know, uh, there's, there's just always room underneath. Like they third and 10 is not a guarantee for these guys. Like, there's always a 10 yard out route open. Um, they're, they're terrified of getting beat deep. And even with all of that, they're like, they still do get beat deep a good amount. Um, there's just, it's, it's, it's not a good, I mean, I, I, I feel for Scotty Hazelton a little bit because I think that he like, he knows that if he plays up and, and tries to go press man, like he's going to get beat down the field, but it's just like, they just don't have the athleticism to, to stay with any really good receivers. And, you know, Michigan's receivers have, I wouldn't say like any one of them is dominant, but they certainly do have a lot of speed. Like Cornelius Johnson and, and Roman Wilson are obviously both very, very fast. Um, and, uh, you know, Ronnie Bell is is going to be able to get open. Like we've seen him get open against uh, – get open and make tough catches against better secondaries than Michigan State certainly. So like Michigan's going to – I mean, this should be a slaughter in terms of like this positional matchup. Like I don't – I just – it's just not good. It's not a good secondary. Yeah, I think what's it, what's going to be interesting for Michigan fans is we all want to see Michigan uncork the bomb against these guys because we know that they're terrible. And, you know, I do anticipate Michigan will test them deep a couple times. Um, but I also think that what we've seen with Michigan this year in the passing game is we've been a very effective dinking and dunking team. And as Dan just pointed out, the dinking and dunking is going to be there. Uh, I think screens will probably be pretty effective in this game. Um, and I, I think Michigan has given how bad this defense is and how bad the secondary is in particular, Michigan has the luxury of deciding how to attack them. Uh, I kind of suspect that Michigan's just going to, especially in the first half, do their patented like 13 play drives down the field, uh, dink and dunk the whole way, you know, in hopes that Michigan state's defense will be exhausted in the second half, which is probably a pretty good approach since we just saw them destroy a much better Penn state team doing that. Yeah. And I think another thing is like, it's not just about like going long on the secondary, you know, like I think this is like a very bad tackling secondary. Like, and I think like th- those crossing routes that Michigan loves to run, like they're all of a sudden 2018 Ohio state in their passing game. Like they love running crossing routes with Ronnie bell and those are going to be open. And like, they're just going to be able to run around these corners in, in a way that like, I think a lot of, I think Michigan's receivers are really good in the open field. And I, I think it's like not even so much about going deep. It, it's about like just th- they're going to be open. Like there's going to be space, um, especially if Michigan State loads up against the run. So I, I think that like we saw, you know, last year the whole all the talk leading up to it was like, oh, like you know, Harbaugh's going to going to be uh, arrogant and want to run the ball. It's like they passed a ton against Michigan State and it was very effective. And that was with Cade McNamara um, and not as good of a receiving core and quite frankly like a better pass rush for Michigan State. Like everything about that game was slanted more in Michigan state's favor and Michigan still was very, very effective throwing the ball and, and, you know, very explosive. I, 
I see this as, yeah, I don't know. I just, we've seen JJ McCarthy throw against better secondaries than this. You know, it's, it's, I'm not saying Maryland or Indiana are world beaters, but like he's, you know, they're better secondaries than Michigan state for sure. Yeah, there's no, there's just no rational way to construct a here's a problem for Michigan argument. The problems for Michigan that would arise in the secondary are like JJ throws an incomprehensibly bad pick right at a Michigan State defender. Like it's it's all it's all long tail events basically. Right. Absolutely. Um, sorry, we're 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 we are definitely mansplaining right now, Taylor. Any thoughts on Michigan State secondary? You want to get in on this? Um, <laughs> on like just us being huge homers. They're stinky bad. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um so on to the better parts of michigan state's defense um the defensive line so on the interior jacob slade is was you know a preseason all-american he's been hurt most of the year he came back against wisconsin he uh i didn't think he was overly effective like i thought he was definitely still like feeling it um it's tough to see like a really good player uh you know be pretty clearly hobbled by injury um but he's had two weeks off so like and i'm sure you know like He's going to get up for, for Michigan. So he, he's a really good defensive tackle. Um, they also have Simeon Barrow, who uh, has has come on a lot this year, like as, as the second guy, um, as well as uh, uh, I think redshirt freshman Derek Harmon, um, who has been uh, pretty good as well. So they've got a pretty good trio of defensive tackles. Like that's one area where like, you know, stop, you've heard this one before, but Michigan State has strong defensive tackles up the middle. Um, where I think they really, really have struggled. And it's like underrated because I think there's been a lot of focus on the secondary, which is bad. There's been a lot of focus on like the offensive line, but these defensive ends, like, I don't know if I'm just the only one noticing this, but they are terrible. They, they they've been hurt. Like they had Chris Bogle. They, they started the season with Chris Bogle at one end and um, Jacoby Winman at the other. They Jacoby Winman's actually a pretty solid player, but they moved him back to linebacker because like they just, couldn't afford to to use him on the defensive line because so they now had it's Ben like, Van Sumer in at linebacker and they had to do something about that. <laughs> right. And I mean, even, even Jacoby Winman was like struggling in, in the run game, but anyway, long story short, like it's Chris Bogle and it was like Jeff Petrowski who is solid, but Jeff, Jeff Petrowski got hurt. And now it's like Chris Bogle and just like a grab bag of like, I don't know, like a bunch of freshmen and like this one like senior, I think Michael Fletcher or something that hasn't played in like five years at Michigan State. And they're just so bad. Like I just I really think they're they might be the worst unit on this team. Um, they cannot pass rush. They cannot defend against the run like these. If, if Michigan, this is the type of game where if Michigan wants to roll out multiple tight ends like they can absolutely cave down these edges. Um, I think JJ McCarthy is going to have just all day to throw unless Michigan state, you know, dedicates more blitzers. Like they have not gotten, I don't think they have, uh, I think they might have like one or two sacks in big 10 play. Like they cannot get home against anybody. Um, and so, yeah, like I just, I see this being, I think that like the, the defensive interior is really good, but I think like the way Harbaugh schemes up runs and like the way he's going to be specifically scheming for this game, like, these edges are very, very uh, movable. And I think that like, if you can cave down the edges, you can kind of develop a running game that you're running a lot of off tackle and C and D gaps um, and creating like, you know, uh, like large run services with, you know, multi gaps and then several tight ends where you can kind of make the defensive interior irrelevant. Um, as long as you just kind of like hold your ground there, like you could even dedicate a double team to Jacob Slade on most plays and still be like able to, pretty much pave the the uh you know the edges and, and open up holes off tackles. So I think that 
I think an underrated part of this game that is not being talked about enough is that, yes, Michigan State is strong in the interior, but I think they're not strong enough elsewhere in the run game to, um, you know, to, to make that count. I think that, like, the, the defensive ends just don't hold up there in the bargain. And you can see that in the stats. Like, they, they they talk about Michigan State being strong against the run, but that's only in relative to their pass defense. They're not, they're not a, an efficient run defense. Like, teams have been able to gash them pretty good. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is, like, we just watched the Penn State game in which a front that should not have been easy to move out of the way was easily moved out of the way. And Jacob Slade is better than, you know, like Mustafer perhaps, but, you know, Penn State's a way, I don't care about like them getting exposed last week. They are still a way better defense than Michigan State, to say the least. I am fascinated to see this because my big, my big thing about this game is like, if Michigan State, can't slow down Michigan's run game significantly, then this is just going to be a very boring beatdown where Michigan marches up and down the field, which is what they've done for most of the season to everyone they've played. So I don't know. I mean, it. it I think that the the big risk here is I'm gonna I'm gonna Joel I'm gonna clat Joel clat Taylor's take a little bit, get out in front of it, and just say that uh, you know my one worry is Jim Harbaugh loves to run directly at the defensive tackles in the red zone. And I would encourage him to not do that. This would be a good game to do something else. Other than that, I don't know. I mean, Michigan State could surprise me, but the expectation after the Penn State game has to be that Michigan can move almost anybody out of the way in the run game. Yeah, I would just sort of say he's going to try. You know, he's going to give it like at least one try. Like that's a Jim Harbaugh thing to do. He's going to be like, oh, let's, yeah. just, let's just see. Let's just see if they're off their game today. Like, I just, I, I'm just trying to, to set expectations that he's going to do that. Um, luckily, I think Michigan has done a nice job of adjusting. Um, I often find myself, and this is just like, you know, this isn't like, like with like research behind it, like this is just a vibe, a gut check, that sometimes Michigan can be a little bit less, like historically not as, as um, good at adjusting and kind of like, not really reading the room in terms of like what's being put in front of them. Michigan's doing a better job of that this year for me, at least because I'm screaming at my television less. Um, <laughs> so I think that that is, you know, something I'm expecting. I'm going in understanding that he's going to do this and I don't feel as bad about it because I do think that, that, that the rest of the like offensive staff has kind of you know got everything cohesive enough um and the co-oc situation has been going far better than i really thought it was going to um and it should be fine i actually think that he's going to do that and it's not going to bother me as much um as much is what the the keyword is yeah so i mean i think um you know i i don't know i i agree with what you guys said like i i do think like we saw you know, we've seen a uh, good opponent specific game plans from Harbaugh. Like he's, he's willing to throw the ball. He was willing to throw the ball against, uh, you know, against Michigan state last year. Um, even, and I mean, even last year, like I think they rushed for like four yards per carry. It, it, it was, I don't know. It wasn't great, but that was a much better Michigan state run defense. And it was not honestly like nearly as good of a, of a Michigan uh, rushing attack. You know I mean? It's like, JJ McCarthy's legs, which are certainly going to be activated in this game because we know Harbaugh really, really wants to win. Um, that's kind of an X factor here. And I think especially with 
you know, what we'll talk about here, Michigan State linebacker play, which is not good. Um, so Michigan State uh, kind of went into more of a 4-3 last game. They're, they're a 4-2-5 base defense. Um, it was opponent variant, obviously, given that, you know, Wisconsin is, is a heavy, uh, you know, a heavy multiple tight end outfit. Um, they moved Jacoby Women back to linebacker, and he played alongside uh, old friend Ben Van Sumeren and um, Cal Halliday. Cal Halliday, I think, is like, he, I really liked him last year. I thought he was a really, really nice player, especially against the run. I think he's taking a step back this year. Um, I think part of that's just like the chaos around him. And like, you know, he's a better piece within a defense that is is well organized and, you know, knows what it is rather than like um, trying to be the star of a bad defense. Um, and then Benjamin Superman's terrible. Uh, he's just like, I don't know, like we, we spent all offseason, like Michigan State writers talking about like how he'd really turn a corner and like, Oh, you're going to be really surprised about Ben Vandermeer. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. He's terrible. He's a bad Wait, football player. Were they saying that? <laughs> oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah. Look. Oh, yeah. Come on. You don't know. You don't know what. Uh, you don't know what. Uh, the Michigan State two four seven writers were saying in August. Like, what are you talking? No about? way. Right? Absolutely yeah. not. What the fuck? Like, yeah. Come on. You got. You guys That's... weren't reading RCMB and. Uh, <laughs> this is on, like. like on July Fourth weekend, hearing about Ben 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 Sumeran. <laughs> like little little tidbits being dropped by Justin Thind on RCMB in August is like Dan's equivalent of a new Taylor Swift album. He's like <laughs> it's like a life, a uh, life new, event yeah, for him. <laughs> new Thind dropped. I just want to say like I I will go into overdrive doing this if we beat these guys, but like a little taste of it is like that's that's the Michigan State media that I know and love. And we've had to restrain mocking them a little bit because they have beaten us twice in a row. But like the, look at someone like Ben Van Sumeren, who was terrible at Michigan and whom I think Michigan was trying to keep on the roster only to keep his brother as a recruit. And then they both ended up going to Michigan State. And I have never in the history of Michigan football seen a guy transfer and then get as much shade on Twitter from his teammates who clearly <laughs> hated him. Like that that guy was supposed to be a come a good linebacker is just like that's beautiful sort of Graham Couch you know fantasy universe type stuff. That's what we that's what we want to see from Michigan State media. <laughs> yeah. Um. Again, like no smoke with Graham Couch and Justin Thin, whom uh, I do I do do uh like not bad people. Just you know like 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 to poke fun at Michigan. Oh, State Dan's media. Dan's life would be immeasurably poorer without Graham Catch. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no shade whatsoever. We we love we <laughs> love their content. <laughs> I mean look, we've got our fair share of uh Michigan has their fair share of uh Homer journalists as well. So um anyway, so so all that said, um I think like these, you know, uh Jacoby Women I think is like he's kind of like a player. Like I think I see him as like a Josh Uche. Eh, he's not a Josh Uche. He's He's like a, he's just a good football player. Um, I don't know if he's a great linebacker yet, but like the fact that he's been productive as a rush and, and a linebacker and kind of just like done whatever this defense has needed him to do is like impressive and admirable to me um, because this is a, such a bad defense that like they're moving him all over the place. And like, he's had like seven forced fumbled all, fumbles on the year and also had like a really impressive interception against Wisconsin. Like that's, I don't know, like it's, he's, he's a good player. Um, but I think like, He's not going to be the type of guy like he's been moving back and forth between rush end and linebacker. And now he's going to be faced with like the acid test of like Michigan's extremely complex and like infuriating running game. And I don't think any of these line, I think, I think Cal Halliday is up for the challenge like mentally, but he might not be up for it physically. Um, he's not going to be like an athletic match for Blake Corum in space. And then Ben Van Sumeren is just going to truly be running the wrong direction all night. Um 
And yeah, Jacoby Winman is like not experienced enough to like, he'll make some plays, but he's just not going to be experienced enough to be in a right gap consistently. Um, I think, I think that like Michigan state's offensive line could hold their own and Michigan would still be pretty good running the ball because I don't think these linebackers are going to be filling the holes correctly. And, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be seeing some chunk runs, especially if like, you know, the full suite of RPOs and misdirection are available. Like it's, you know, like we saw like a, a much better drilled Penn state defense, um, just completely be out of position and, and outflanked it at uh, by all angles because Michigan was throwing so much at, so much so much at them in the run game and I think you know Jim Harbaugh's got this one marked on his calendar and he's gonna be throwing just as much at Michigan State so um, with that said that's the defense like I just like you know we, we've gone down every position group for Michigan State versus Michigan at this point like I don't really think there's like I think Michigan State's receiving group is a match for Michigan in it to some extent. Um, but that's it. Like every other, every other area is just going to be an absolute blowout. And it would just have to be like, I mean, look, we've said this before though. Like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's gonna, for Michigan state to have consistent success on either defense or offense, it's just going to take them like being a, them being a totally different team and Michigan being a totally different team that we've seen all year. So I don't know, like what, what can you say? Like, I feel like I'm being a homer, like just, stating the facts, but like, this is a bad team without is a bad team. that doesn't look particularly well coached. Um, they're really talent deficient in a lot of areas, which is to be expected. And, you know, the areas where they do have talent, I don't think they maximize it. So I don't know, like I, based on what I've seen this year, like this is just, I don't really think this is a very good football team. And I think Michigan is a very good football team and that, I don't know. Like, yeah, that it, it means Michigan should win, but I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, what, I mean, what, what else are we supposed to say? Maybe we're preempting our own like predictions segment, but the the rational take here is that a Michigan State win would require not one, but multiple and I really consistent low probability events, right? Like just absurd turnovers, bl- ridiculously blown plays on the defense. Like it's going to take multiple of those, and that can happen if there's any game in which it can happen to the Michigan Wolverines. It's this one, but. Michigan State is going to need more luck in this one to win this one game than they've had in any of the many absurdly lucky games they've had against Michigan that I've seen. So that's that's where we stand. Yeah. And uh, speaking of absurdly lucky events, <clears throat> um, uh, shit, that's actually the wrong. Oh, well, no. OK, hold on. We're um, <laughs> <laughs> doing hey, great. On. Home field uh, apparel is always you're always yeah, lucky wearing one of their shirts. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. The bucket problem is brought to you by uh, Home Field Apparel. Um, use promo code Meet at Midfield. That is all one word. Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first order from Home Field Apparel. As as I always say, um, even if it's not your first order, you can just like create a new email and they won't know, and you can use Meet at Midfield again, and you get fifty percent off every time. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I know they love when you do that. Dude, that's that's the way it's supposed to work. Um. <laughs> the bucket problem is also brought to you by points bet download the points bet app and use the promo code bucket prob that's b-u-c-k-e-t p-r-o-b to get 100 of your first deposit matched up to a thousand dollars that's matched up to a thousand dollars in the form of free bets to get that bonus though you must use the promo code bucket prob that's b-u-c-k-e-t p-r-o-b all one word um Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. Use the self-exclusion feature to force yourself uh, to to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wow. Awesome. I think that that was pretty flawless by me. Uh, 
So with all that said, let's make this quick. Um, predictions. What's the score at half? What's the final score? And how does it generally feel? Um, and also give me like one very specific thing that's going to happen. Uh, I guess, well, I'll go first. Uh, score at half. I'm going to go with, let's say, 14 to 7 Michigan. But the final score is going to be, oh gosh, let's say 42 to 10 Michigan. It's going to be a very ugly beatdown. And the second half, we will pull away from them because their defense is going to get ground into the into the dirt in the first half and we'll just become exhausted. Um, how will it feel? The first half is going to feel infuriating, I predict, and frustrating. And we're going to have lots of moments of, of just, you know, PTSD, uh, believing we're watching losses that we've seen before. And, you know, kind of similar to the Penn State game which had a lot of very weird, unnerving moments in the first half, even though we were dominating at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that ultimately was reflected in the final score. My one very specific prediction is I think that, that Michigan state is going to have one turbo long passing touchdown in this game. So they're going to have a touchdown uh, in the passing game of at least 75 yards, if not more. Yeah, I, I, I can see that happening. I mean, we've seen, um, DJ Turner has been, been good this year, but we have seen him get, get beat once or twice. Um, and you know, like we said, that there's one thing this team's the, the Michigan state's good at. It's, uh, it's, it's long passing plays. Um, Taylor, uh, scored half final score. How does it feel? What's one very specific prediction? Score at half. I'm going to say will be 20 to 10 Michigan. I feel pretty good about that. Um, and the the final score, I want to, I'm going to say, mm, 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 mm. I, I didn't do the math right in my head for this to work, but um, I'm, I'm going to say like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, but Michigan's going to win. Um, I, I don't foresee, I will say I don't foresee Michigan State getting more than like 20 points. I think 20 points is generous. Um but the reason I'm kind of having difficulty des- describing exactly what I think the score, the final score is going to be is because I do think Michigan is once again going to struggle in the end zone getting touchdowns. This is my very specific prediction. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Um, Michigan right now um, in the Big Ten is, um, I believe, uh, ninth in red zone touchdown percentage. Um, they are scoring in the red zone. So they're scoring on 92.3% of their red zone um their visits to the red zone but only um but only converting um this uh 66.7 percent of those into touchdowns um so i do think that that is a problem it's been a problem and um interestingly a, a team that that actually was a problem um that it was a problem like for michigan last year it was michigan state so that was that was an issue last year in addition to kenneth walker the third which that was part of not necessarily Michigan State's luck last year. Obviously, you can say they lucked out in the transfer portal, but I would call that more like they lucked out in finding like extremely good talent that is very, very good and was able to just outmatch what what happened um, to Michigan's defense. Um, but that would be my specific prediction is that like Michigan is going to stall out in the red zone a couple of times. And it is that is something that I have been watching pretty closely ever since I put into into physical writing that I thought that their red zone production would get much better. It hasn't actually. Um, none of the the 
stats that I, that I brought are adjusted for like garbage time, red zone visits or anything like that. But Michigan has struggled with the with their starters in in red zone situations. And that to me is going to be a problem in part because, again, bigger rivals, Ohio State being kind of that bigger rival the one bigger rival um, ha- has started to try to figure that out. Obviously they had a couple issues with their own red zone touchdown generation or the red zone visits um, last week against Iowa in the first half before things got bad. Um, but they're kind of writing that and ironing that out. Um, Michigan has yet to show me that they have. So I think one of my, like I said, my very specific prediction is Michigan is going to have a very hard time uh, in the red zone. So at least in the first half. I do think it will get better. I do think Michigan will win. Um, And like I said, 20 points is probably generous for this Michigan State team. Yeah, so my prediction is, I, you know, I think that's all very valid. Um, I'm going to say 21-3 at half. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40-44 to 6 final score. Hot Um, damn. I love it. Six? I mean, like... (laughs) Yeah, they're gonna, they're, yeah, sad field goal. Um, I think that it's just like it's never gonna be in doubt. Um, I don't feel particularly scared about this if I if I take away the names and, and the helmets and all that. Um, I think it feels like very satisfying. I think Michigan finally gets like kind of a cathartic win against Michigan State. I uh, and you know, we've seen this before, like the 2019 team, 2019 team did this, and that was a better Michigan State team and a worse Michigan team. Like it's not impossible to blow these guys out. Um one very specific prediction: uh, Alex Orgy will score a touchdown. Um, there you go. Uh, Orgy yeah. in the end zone. Sorry, I had to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. No, it's 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 a good one that that nobody has ever made before. The way you screamed to, to like unmute yourself and scream that. Good for you. I, I have to get in. Southern I have to get in my Northern. already my already stale like dad jokes on this podcast. That's my whole role here, Taylor. <laughs> That's fair. Now, you're you're very ready to be a dad for sure. Um, I uh, I think that so I mean yeah like all that said like I, I make that prediction like not as like I this team just isn't very good and Michigan should beat them and we've seen Michigan beat the crap out of bad Michigan State teams and this is a bad Michigan State team and a good Michigan team and they're playing in a in what's going to be a rocks environment at night at home and there's really just no reason you know besides like voodoo which is like the you know not it's not really the case. Like the better team has won this game most times. Um, so all that said, yes, uh, I think Michigan rolls in this one. I think that they, and I think that Harbaugh is really just, the reason I kind of went with such a lopsided score is we've heard from a lot of different sources that like Harbaugh is not going to be calling off the dog in this one. Like he's, he is, um, he, he's, he's motivated to win this. Um, so uh, real quick, I'll take a pause. We can cut this out. Went for editing. Do we feel like we want to go do this next segment or do we feel like um, we got enough, uh, content in there. I I think we honestly have enough. I mean, we got a good about an hour. Yeah, I I think we tied it up in like a pretty good yeah. knot here. Also, so, like um, the Big Ten, looking at these ranks, we put together, the Big Ten is just boring this year. So we have to like create. Yeah, controversy. it's really it's yeah. really not like it's like the middle you can argue, but it's like yeah, there's like pretty clearly bad teams and like three or four good ones, you know. So yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. All right. So uh, we're coming back from the part that we cut where we discussed if we're going to do another segment. Um. Uh, so, so I think that that about wraps it up. Like, I think we're all pretty confident. I think we're, you know, the, the, the real questions are like, what level of annoyed are we going to be? Um, and, uh, you know, if we're wrong here and, and Michigan State finds a way to win this game, like, 
I, I will never be on this podcast again. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not, I will not face any of my like haters. I'll delete my Twitter account. I'm going to be a giant. I'm going to be an absolute giant bitch about it. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to take my medicine. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the worst loser of all time. It's just like, I'm not, there's, there's no, there's no honor here. Like I've, I, I'm sick and fucking tired of losing to Michigan State. Like it's so goddamn annoying. I'm I'm just like I'm over it. Like I don't I it just just win the just beat Michigan State by a lot of points. It's not hard. Like they can you guys can do it. This team it's on a fucking tee. Like just beat the shit out of them. Like just one time. Um, so that's uh, you know that's it for the bucket problem this week. Uh, you know. I, I think there was something Taylor wanted to talk about t-shirts or something. That was a great, by the way, that was a great was pep really talk. Good. They should play that in the locker room before the game. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, Taylor, we got to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's imagine Harbaugh like goes through his whole pregame speech. He's like, and we've got a, we've got a special. It's a, it's a podcast I listen to every week, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna play the end of your like an exasperated Michigan fan. Just like, God damn it, you guys, just beat this team. They're so bad. <laughs> Rumor has it that uh, poster Thick Stauskas will become a full time Purdue Boilermakers fan if Michigan loses this game. Oh, dude, none of yeah. us want that fate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Purdue knows how to beat the shit out of this team. Like, it's they did it last year. It's not hard. You just, just oh my god, please just win, just win the stupid game. This is incredible. This is great content. Um, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to follow that up, but um, all, all I'm all I have to do is uh, uh, uh provide you the company line that um need at midfield the the website that that presents this fine podcast and all of our yelling, um, is hosting a giveaway. So if you um, are a subscriber to our site that is meetatmidfield.com slash subscribe, which you should do. If you've already done it, you are automatically entered to win um, home field apparel, apparel, um, three items um, with an approximate value of like $100. So if you pay for a monthly subscription, which is $12.99, um, I don't pay for one, I work there. Um, but $12.99 a month, I believe, gets you um, entered to win something with value of a hundred dollars and um also based on the quality of the apparel um beyond a hundred dollars like a million dollars it you'll look great um you'll have really nice shirts of your choosing you can choose michigan shirts you can choose whatever um if you win so you are automatically entered to win if you are a subscriber and if you refer a new subscriber which you should do um and you tell us that in a way that I forgot how, but if you if you do let us know in some way that you referred someone, you get your entry tripled. So you could get some sweet, sweet shirts, um, talk to some some nice people on the boards. Uh no one is having no one is having meltdowns in particular about um about anything, um, at least not yet. Uh Michigan has not yet played Ohio State, so no meltdowns quite yet. Uh, but it's a really good community. Um we are writing things every day, Michigan, Ohio State, um, National, Big Ten, all that good stuff, even some G5 stuff in there as well. Um, you can hear this podcast. Usually we do some premium episodes of this podcast as well. If you've heard Dan, if you like what you hear of Dan, um, <laughs> he does this more often um, on our premium show. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff. So this was a shameless self-promotion to really bring down the mood after <laughs> After Dan just really passionately brought the podcast home, but I, but I, I love really that you put a damper on it. 
I love that you said that the sort of the model T Ford thing where you can have any shirt as long as it's Michigan. I appreciated that. Um, you can. You can have any <laughs> shirt. Um if you if you buy if you actually the thing is like I have the veto power. If you pick shirts that I don't like personally, um I I'm allowed to revoke your subscription. Um we'll still take your money, but you're just not allowed to access the site anymore. So you have to choose carefully. Um but Overall, overall, you have you have run to choose whichever shirt you want, um, except for shirts that I don't like. So, but you could win them, which All is right. important. All right. Well, my final. Everyone else got to say I like a closing. <laughs> statement. So my my closing statement is simply this: Go blue, beat Sparty. <laughs> <laughs>